listening to the Paranormal Chronicles radio show. Here is your host, paranormal researcher and author of the best-selling A Most Hunted House, Gavin Lee Davis. Welcome. My name is Jill Davis, founder of ParanormalChronicles.com and author of Haunted Horror of Haverford West. The true account reviewers are calling one of the most terrifying books ever written. Do you read alone in bed? At night. I am back after a brief hiatus of moving home and delving into a very disturbing UFO encounter. The Paranormal Chronicles podcast series, broadcast from beautiful Pembrokeshire, West Wales, is brought to you by sixth-books.com. Sixth Books offers a universe of reading on the paranormal, mediumship, spirituality, and ancient teachings. Sixth Books latest release is The Wonder of You, what the near-death experience tells you about yourself by Lynn Russell. So grab yourself a copy of The Wonder of You today and visit www.sixth-books.com today. This episode is also brought to you by Victoria Bookshop Haverford West, who have signed copies of Haunted Horror of Haverford West in stock. Get your copy today from Victoria Bookshop. Support local. Make sure you follow as all our followers are put into a monthly prize draw to win a paranormal book, plus a quarterly draw where one lucky winner will win an Amazon gift voucher. At the end of this show, I will announce the winner of the book and Amazon draw, so stay tuned. Press follow now so you never miss an episode. Our upcoming episodes will blow your mind. If you have an experience, theory or account to share, then contact us on Instagram or Facebook at The Paranormal Chronicles, tweet at Paracron, or email paranormalchronicles at aol.com. Thank you for the 53 emails and messages we received since the last episode. I have got back to every single one of you. Thank you for listening and following and sharing on tonight's show. I have an amazing jam-packed show for you. Firstly, I investigate, on location, the most terrifying entities I ever encountered, the stinking men of Pembroke Castle. Plus, as a special end-of-year treat, I have summoned from the archives the Paranormal Chronicles Year in Review from 2018 with the devilish Dave Dominguez, and I discussed some of the more fascinating, spooky, and intriguing paranormal news stories from 2018. As this had been previously broadcast on a small local radio station, we felt it was time to share it with our global following. On with the show. I am frequently asked, have I ever been truly frightened on a paranormal investigation? After deep consideration, there is one particular instance that did genuinely perturb me. Of course, investigations can have its chilling or confusing moments, where for a second you question everything you know to be real in the world, turn it on its head and have to reevaluate your own personal beliefs while you try and make sense of what you've just witnessed. Occasionally on an investigation, the sheer ambience and atmosphere will in itself cause a fear factor, and a bump or a bang can cause the heart to beat fast and the hands to grow clammy. But these moments are what fuels a paranormal investigator, the quest for the truth, the search for evidence and the adrenaline pumping through your veins will make it a very exciting experience. However, one night did frighten me, not for a moment or two, but to this day, and is almost as terrifying as the experience that I documented in Haunted Horror of Haverford West. It lingers in my mind like a terrible stench. 
There are, of course, probable explanations, but I was lucky to share the experience with others. None of us mentioned it at the exact time, but a few minutes later, we all had the same story, the same detail. Was it the power of suggestion? Our minds create a group hallucination due to the environment? Or was there something more? The location where we experienced the activities were the most impressive that you could ever hope to attend for an investigation. The location is incredible Pembroke Castle in Southwest Wales. Pembroke Castle is a medieval Norman-styled castle with 16 feet walls and battlements that reach 75 feet high. The castle juts up from an ancient rock formation and is surrounded by the River Clevi that creates a natural defence. Underneath the castle is a huge natural cave called Wogan's Cavern that has shown evidence that early man had a community based there and in castle times was used as a boathouse and cargo warehouse. The castle was built in 1093 AD and has resisted many attacks and is the birthplace of King Henry VII. The castle was still in use till the mid-17th century and the families, the peoples and the events that took place there are richly woven into the tapestry of local history. Fast forward to a summer's night in 2004 when I was privy to join a group of amateur ghost hunters and paranormal investigators that secured a night at the castle. The first thing that surprises you by the castle is just how intact it is. This is no pile of rubble but a huge area with an intact keep, living areas, towers and even the room where Henry VII was born. It really is a beautiful castle and a testament to the engineers and builders at the time and the efforts of the restoration. The group that we accompanied were made up of two sections. Group 1 were the investigators with cameras, recorders and other equipment and Group 2 were those with alleged mediumship ability. My friends and I started with the mediums and made our way through the grounds to the keep. I vividly remember the keep cold and black against the moonlit sky. The Pembroke Castle keep is a huge round structure which would have supported a huge wooden fighting platform so that should the castle be attacked the defenders could attack the assailants from above giving them a huge tactical advantage. Inside is a huge empty building with a spiral staircase disappearing up to the point of the keep. Once inside it was pitch black and we could hear the flutter of disturbed nests and birds high above us and a slight cool breeze blew in behind us, the entranceway illuminated by the moonlight. Inside through the torchlight we could see very little apart from shafts of lights from the torches highlighting speckles of dust floating in the air. We were told to gather in a circle and turn off our lights. I try to imagine the people that would have worked here. I do this on every investigation as I try to connect to the building. We gathered in that open space. I had my good friend and investigator G.T. White, an investigator from London called Emma to my left. We all linked hands. There were perhaps 12, maybe 13 of us in all. And the medium began to speak. At first you could sense she was nervous as she began telling jokes. But maybe she was just trying to get us relaxed. She blessed us all saying, We were here not as enemies, but as journeymen on a quest for enlightenment. She asked our spirit guides to protect us from any insidious spirits that perhaps remained. As we stood there, I could barely make out anything in the dark. My night vision was returning from all the torch activity, but I could see G.T. White and Emma in the gloom and the silhouettes of others across from me in the circle. The medium began to ask questions, to speak openly and loudly into the echo in the keep, and I kept my senses alert. I listened intently for any noise, any chills or sounds. Then I smelled something quite, quite awful. It was worse than excrement or rotten food. It was suffocating. It was so repugnant that if I hadn't felt so stifled and breathless by the overpowering smell that I would have been sick. My immediate thought was that perhaps someone in the circle was more frightened than they were letting on and perhaps had soiled themselves or farted. 
Then in the gloom a feet or so from me, I noticed something in the darkness between me and the other side of the circle, a small shadowy figure. It was blacker than the darkness that had enveloped us. Had someone left the circle had crept in? Was I perhaps hallucinating or my night vision playing tricks on me? The medium did not seem to be aware and I watched the figure and curl, so to speak and stand straight five feet perhaps but no more. GT spoke out to my right and asked, can anyone else smell that? To which we were answers from the darkness of, yes, what is it? And it's making me sick. I kept my eyes close on the shadow person in the middle of the circle. I was startled to see it move up close to where GT was. GT's hand suddenly tightened around mine, the pain incredible, and he released when the thing moved and stood directly in front of me. Its stinking face a few inches from mine as it peered. I will admit that I have never been so frightened on actual investigation by anything like this before or after. It had a pure black face, no distinguishable features. Its countenance was one of evil intent and a desire to do harm. It never spoke a word, but those feelings washed over me in a cold and depressing fog. It was the first time that I ever wanted to run out of an investigation. This creature moved from me into Emma and her hand tightened on mine and she said, There is something here, the medium replied. Yes, his name is Andrew and he's curious about us. And as she said this, I realised there's another shadowy figure in the gloom and was doing the same as the first. When this one peered at me, I thought I would collapse. I thought I would despair to the point that I would never see light in life again. But I would never feel love again, that the world was an evil, stinking, decaying pit. It was the personification of dread and death. It quickly moved from me, much to my relief, but then its focus was on Emma. She shrieked, let go of my hand and ran from the keep. The medium shouted, don't break the circle, don't break the circle, which everyone did regardless and made their way to the moonlit entrance. GT and I ran out to see if Emma was okay and she sat there in the courtyard in the moonlight sobbing. I asked if she was okay and she said, no, I just stared death in the face. GT looked at me and said, I saw it too. There were two awful things in there. It was like death. I was so confused by the experience of fear, the moroseness and the depression and the overwhelming stench. I described my experience to them both, both interrupting to concur with my story, finished my sentences for me. Exasperated, I walked slowly back to the keep and met the medium on my way. I asked her what had happened and she casually replied that some children were in there trying to pull down her trousers. I asked if she knew what the smell was, what had happened to us and she replied, what smell? Sadly, she had not shared in our experience and was unable to offer any explanation. I spoke to some of the others in the circle. All had had the same experience, but four left immediately before I could speak to them. Something terrible either still resided in the keep, or we had given it the power to manifest. Maybe the power of suggestion, our mere presence within that particular environment, and our motives had created the illusion of the stinking man. Maybe we had overridden our rationale and our senses controlled our perception of events. I have researched this incident over the years looking for an explanation. I have none yet. I've spoken to dozens of people who worked and visited there, and none have had an inkling, an idea, what the stinking men could be, and none have had a similar experience. Perhaps for whatever reason, the stinking men only felt the need to contact those in the circle. Maybe for some of us, there was more than just the dread and fear. Maybe for the people that left early, they were given a more horrendous message from the stinkers. To this day, I've not been able to track down the four people that left early that night. I just pray they haven't taken home any unwelcome visitors with them. For whatever those entities were, they are the closest I have come into experiencing pure evil on an investigation. And to this day, the memory of the presence of the stinking man makes me feel sick and fearful. Pray you never encounter them. And next time you smell something rotten, something disgusting, something that turns your guts, just hope the stinking men 
have not found you. We will be right back after these important messages. Hi there, my name is Claire Waters and I would like to invite you on an incredible journey. I have written a book based on my personal experiences called Raising Faith, a true story of raising a child psychic medium. It's my family's extraordinary experiences with our young daughter's ability to communicate with spirits and the inspirational lessons learned on our journey. Raising Faith is currently available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle and wherever books are sold. Join me on this beautiful and incredible adventure. For more information on Raising Faith, visit my website, raisingfaith.co.uk, or my Facebook page, Raising Faith Book. See you there. Sixth books will take you to other worlds, haunt you, open your mind, and push you far beyond the veil of the unknown. Sixth Books is a leading publisher of books on the body, mind, and spirit, the paranormal, consciousness, ancient wisdom, and the afterlife. Explore today, learn today, open your mind today, read today. Visit sixth-books.com today. The world as you know it is about to change. Do you wish for more paranormal and spiritual content? The Paranormal Chronicles magazine is a free digital magazine crammed with the very best in paranormal and spiritual articles and features. No sign-up, no subscription, just free reading and knowledge for you. Read today at www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. The International Chart Topping Haunted Horror of Haverford West has been described as Terrifyingly real, a must-read, shocking and chilling brilliance, genuinely worrying, utterly frightening, don't read before bed. Described as one of the spookiest writers out there, best-selling author G.L. Davies presents Haunted Horror of Haverford West, the true paranormal account that is shocking the world. Dare you enter, dare you read, Haunted. Horror of Haverford West is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle, and wherever books are sold. Pray you never have to live there. Good evening, and I would like to welcome you to a very, very dear friend of mine. His name is the devilish Dave Dominguez. How are you, Dave? Hello, Gavin. Very, very well. How are you, Ben? It's great to be here. Thank you for having me on. It's been a while since we've done something, isn't it? We've been, both been very busy. Been very busy, you know, been very much in demand. I've been very much in demand lately, and, and I haven't been able to, to do much as far as uh, the paranormal world is concerned. But, you know, I'm back, and I've dealt with a few a few things, like uh, the laundry and the dishes, and that's where I'm demand. My wife is demanding People me. People don't like, realize, do they? they don't realize that when you're in the paranormal, you still got to do the chores. You still got to pick yeah, up the right. trash. And I understand you're writing a book. Mm. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And as uh, maybe some people know, I'm I'm retired law enforcement. I spent 24 years with the sheriff's department here in El Paso. I'm from El Paso, Texas, and uh, I spent 10 years out on patrol and 14 years with the 911 center. And we saw a few interesting things, heard a few interesting things, and I have a few interesting stories, paranormal related and some not so paranormal related that I'm writing about. And and hopefully, uh, you know, I'm getting pretty close to finishing that up. I'm so excited for that book, Dave. Honestly, that's going to be amazing because I don't want to say now, 
because we've got to do the year in review. But oh my God, you have seen some crazy, crazy things. And like, I'm just going to give people a little taster. I like the story about the gravestones that were moving, but I'm not going to say anything more because I want people to read your book when it comes out in 2020. It's going to be uh, quite a bit. It'll be it'll be worth the wait. It's it's very interesting. It even uh, even <laughs> when I read it back, it gives me the creeps. <laughs> Brilliant. But you're quite safe in El Paso, aren't you? Because you got you Dave have got so many guns. Do you need all those guns? It's uh it's our right to have them and. Um, we have them because, well, our founding fathers were very, very smart when they wrote our Constitution. And it's, in, it's not because uh, we, we're, we have weapons because of hunting or any of that sort of thing. It has nothing to do with it. It's, it's to protect us from, in the event our government goes, goes sideways. I mean, look what happened in uh, Nazi Germany. They confiscated all the guns, and you know, we all know what happened there. We all know what happened in in China. We all know what happened in uh, in Cambodia when gun confiscation came up. So um, yeah, so our founding fathers they knew what they were talking about. So that's why uh, many of us are armed to the teeth. Fair enough. I don't think many of us in Pembrokeshire are armed to the teeth. If we had to, I think our best weapon would be harsh language. I'll send you a slingshot. Oh yes, that'd be amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. David, let's get on with the Paranormal Chronicles Year in Review. And if you're listening, Clear Elliot, both of us miss you so much. And we will have you back on the show soon. Get better soon, Claire. Yes, Claire, get well soon. Yeah, we miss you, pal. Right, Dave, Paranormal Year in Review. You're going to start with something kind of tickled you a little bit, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And it involved um, a ghost witch. Now, there was a report of a ghost witch in, uh, in Mexico. And there was some video of it flying around and what it appeared to be like a blob with a with biting a, a broom, literally, if you if you I guess you can wrap your imagination around it. And and it was videoed and, and it was seen by by several people in this village. It caught my interest is because I've heard about this stuff and living so close to the border. You know, we're right on the border. We're right on the border with Mexico. And we hear all these stories about things that happen over there. And, and I write about some of them in my book. This this witch was was seen floating around a village, and it came. They they called the local the local police there, and it scared the hell out of the local police, and it caused all kinds of of havoc with people, and people got scared and ran into their houses and and, and that sort of thing. But when you see the video, to me, it looks like it could be either one of two things. I don't think it's a witch. I think I think it's either a, a floating bag of trash maybe caught in, a, in the wind or some somebody is playing a, a really wild prank somebody dressed up a drone maybe put a black nylon material over it put a stick on it flew it just just far enough so you really couldn't get it within good camera range and just flew it around the town there there's a youtube video about it it's a the mexican witch video they're doing this news broadcast. These Mexican news people are there, and they're they're doing this really serious news broadcast. And they're interviewing people who saw it. They're really scared, and they're interviewing the police officers there that night that it happened. And there's video, and there's video of of several other cops from the other towns showing up, and the federal police showing up, and and they're doing sobriety tests on the cops that that claim to see this witch. And it's it's pretty comical. That that story just really really got me. Because it looked it like a funny. witch. Because you're on the border, if you don't mind me asking, 
do the Mexicans have the same imagery of the witch that we have in the West in terms of, you know, the black cloak and the broomstick and the hat? Is that something that the Mexican people kind of have? In, in a way, yes, they, they do. Um, but mostly they think that, that witches turn into owls and they call them la lechuza, meaning the owl in Spanish. Ooh. And that's uh, that's what they they believe and I write about that in my book. There was a story my grandfather told us about that. My grandfather lived lived in Mexico, and he uh, and he owned a ranch. He was a he had a, he owned a huge ranch out there, and he he talks about his encounters with with these owl creatures, and uh, it's amazing. A lot of people believe him. A lot of um, uh, people with incredible credentials have actually come out and said they've seen these creatures. These these witches turn into these owls and fly away. Um, and doctors have seen them, policemen have seen them, pilots have seen them over there, and there's just hundreds and hundreds of stories about them. It's very interesting because in ufology, the owl is related to alien beings and alien visitation. I'm, I'm, I'm writing my fourth book, which is based mm -hmm. right here in Pembrokeshire. I've been doing a lot of research into ufology, and the owl is a, is a common image that comes up in ufology. So maybe there's a bit of a link. You know, culturally, we see things differently. But do you think possibly there could be a connection between witches, aliens, and owls? Or is it just owls and witches? Well, you know, I think it's just um, you, you see things in your mind kind of plays tricks on you, and, it, and your mind tries to make reason out of, out of things. So that, that could be it. Or it could be some sort of alien creature that we're, we, we don't know what to make of it. So we're saying, well, it's a witch. It's supernatural. It's just, but it's probably some technology we don't know about. And um, that, that could be a factor as well. Um, I don't know if there's really witches. I don't know. I've never seen a. There's, there are owl. witches. They're nice witches. Well, there's loads well, of them. Yes. But, but do they we're talking fly? about the, the owl witch. I don't know. The owl witch. Oh my! I've seen hundreds of owls here where where I live, but I've never seen one turn into a witch. We need to write a book called "The Owl Witch" about a witch that turns into an owl, but it turns out it's an alien. Now I'm just having a look at this article that uh, you uh, you showed me, okay? And people who witnessed the the object had this to say so i'm not going to do any accents because i did that on one of my shows before and i received an, a death threat so i'm just going to read it out normally so okay. people have seen this thing well it appears to be a witch and somebody said oh my god that looks just like a dead witch another one added could be some kind of alien and a third claim unbelievable looks like a witch to me so what concerns me is the first one it looks like a dead witch now i don't like to poo poo anything i'm on the fence i'm not here to say what's right what's wrong same as you dave but as soon as i saw it i was like that's either like a balloon like a helium balloon like a halloween balloon that you could get for a party or it's what you said it's a drone it's a hoax because of the way it's moving it's very fluid it's very you know it's very fluid kind of motion it's very direct it doesn't seem to be flat by the wind it doesn't seem to be changing course or direction it just seems to be going in a straight line so i'm going to go for either balloon or a drone exactly I, i'm going to go with the drone theory that's that's what i'm going to go with because it was just too exactly it, it it was flying under under some some sort of control it seemed to have some sort of control it just wasn't just flopping around out there so that's what i'm going to go with as well excellent that's really nice that's a really interesting story because 
we get reports of ghosts and we get reports of aliens and humanoid figures but we never get reports of like witches doing anything berserk because witches as we all know are very nice people as a whole and they're very gentle and they're very good and very like sensitive to the planet and to each other and this was like a weird witch story which i really enjoyed all the stories we are covering tonight can be found on the paranormalchronicles.com okay and what we've done is we've taken some of the new stories from the last 12 months and really captured our imaginations whether they're funny scary interesting and whatnot okay so i'm gonna go with something's really really passionate to me kind of annoyed me a little bit so i might end up ranting here and i'm really glad that dave is here because we can kind of get like two kinds of perspectives on this right and what i want to deal with is the fact that this year we had two alien mysteries allegedly solved okay so what i'm going to do i'm going to cheat and discuss two disclosures on two alien related mysteries and as much as i sit on the fence neither are sitting very well with me so alien disclosure was big this year despite more world governments than ever before admitting that ets exist japan being one of them and it seems that the UK and the United States have no intention of giving us the truth. So the first part to this is, the headline read, The mystery of alien skeleton found in Chilean desert finally solved by scientists. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out the article. I'm really terrible at reading out loud. I'd be a rubbish vicar, okay? So I'm going to give it a go. As anyone knows, I'm profoundly dyslexic, so bear with me, okay? So, scientists have revealed the origins of a mysterious skeleton, skeleton, long thought to have been extraterrestrial. After five years of examination, a research team unraveling the genetic makeup of the bizarre specimen found in the Chilean desert in 2003 and nicknamed the Atta. Now, I'll just to give you a bit of description of it. It was about six, seven inches tall. It had a pointy head. It had fangs. It had loads. Of, like, it just looked so insanely unhuman. Okay, it had like claws. There is nothing I've ever, ever seen that looks like this to the degree i was kind of sitting on the fence kind of going along the ways of this is a hoax right it's like a little model like the one of the mermaid you know that famous one of the mermaid turned out it was like a, a mixture of a cat and a dead baby and all kinds of awful things right so standing at 15 centimeters tall a skeleton had an elongated skull slanted eye sockets and only 10 pairs of ribs instead of the usual 12 despite its tiny stature the bone development of the skeleton matches that of a six-year-old child since its initial discovery at it was sold on to the black market and eventually passed into the hands of a spanish businessman dr gary nolan a microbiologist at stanford university first heard of the specimen through a friend and resolved to get to the bottom of its mysterious origins you can't look at the specimen and not think it's interesting he said so i told my friend look whatever it is if it's got dna i can do the analysis having examined the remains they concluded the skeleton undoubtedly belonged to a female human fetus with a mix of native american and european ancestry although the reason for her unusual appearance remained unknown and the article goes on then about genome research and dna and all these kinds of amazing things right but let me repeat part of the report, although the reason for her unusual appearance remained unknown. Unknown. Unknown as in no closer to solving the mystery at all. But if you tell enough people that it's solved, then they will forget about it or tell each other that it has been solved. And then people, people forget. And clearly it's not. So I'm not in a position where to say it was an alien or not. But my God, that looks like the most inhuman thing ever. 
Watch YouTube version of the show or head over to theparanormalchronicles.com to have a look at this picture if you're not familiar with it, right? But I think it's very, very wrong to say it's been solved when it's not. What do you think, Dave? Do you ever see anyone walking around in El Paso looking like this? Not lately. No, I haven't seen anything <laughs> like that. But um, but I did I did read the story and it was very intriguing. And, and I think that it's, it's kind of odd. Like they say that this um this fetus it was uh it's from the 70s so it's not really that old it's not hundreds of years old thousands of years old um, as we usually think about uh the ancient aliens and that sort of thing and then um what i got was they were trying to spin the story about how it had four genetic mutations um involved with bone disease and whatnot and they don't know what they are and you know, they've done so much testing on, on DNA and so many uh, breakthroughs on DNA that they don't know what these genetic mutations are. They wouldn't know. They've never seen them. You know, this, and then they're claiming it's from the 70s, but yet they haven't seen anything recently like that. I, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I, I, I think that this is probably something that uh, they stumbled upon and, and they're, they're just spinning it. They, they really don't know. They don't have an answer. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably much older. So that's 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 my take on it. I would have preferred if they said it's a hoax and that it's been manufactured, you know, using various animal parts, you know, like a puppet. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the fact they're saying it's solved when they don't actually know, that what annoys me. You've got the good skeptics, okay, the skeptics out there who actually do their research and they work really hard trying to find a rational explanation. And then you've got the awful skeptics that just go on websites and go, ghosts don't exist, what a load of rubbish, and all that. And they put no actual energy or time into actually presenting a solid ar argument. So with this declaration from these scientists, they're basically saying that it's nothing, but then at the same time saying they don't know why it's like this. So, okay, to me, possibly it could be a hybrid being where it does have our genetics, but if you look at it, there is nothing I've ever, ever seen. I'm not a doctor. You know, I, I don't hang around medical universities examining all skulls and bones and creatures and whatnot. But I've never seen anything as inhuman as this ever in my life. It's more animal. It's more alien than it is human. So that's the first part of that. And that really annoyed me. You know, it really annoyed me, as you can you can hear, right? Now, just before it just made it into the paranormal year in, in, in review was this came out a few days before the new year, okay? And this is to do with the Rendlesham Forest UFO incident, which, to be honest, I put on the back burner. There was no new information coming out. The coverage just seemed to be covering the same old ground. But it's a fascinating story. It involves an American base being buzzed by UFOs and possibly soldiers, guards and camp having a close encounter with a strange probe at alien spacecraft, which left the guards baffled. But guess what? There's been some news out and it's been disclosed that it was all a hoax. So for the backstory, for anyone out there who's not familiar with the Rendlesham UFO incident, 38 years ago, on three nights between December 26th and 28th, different sets of U.S. Air Force personnel stationed at the RAF Woodbridge base, which reportedly housed nuclear warheads, witnessed bright orange, red, blue and white lights in the sky. That sent out to further investigate, one serviceman on patrol reported a smooth, opaque black class craft on the forest floor 
covered in incomprehensible hieroglyphs. While on another night, a different team encountered an object the size of a basketball turn into a spaceship, and they had a silent standoff with the object. Then had an encounter with what appeared to be a humanoid alien. The team, some of whom have since been diagnosed with PTSD, said the indentations in the ground, damage to the forest, and abnormal radiation readings prove that these were not mass hallucinations. However, Dr. David Clark, researcher at Sheffield Hallam University, once managed Britain's National UFO site and archive, says he has found a less far-fetched explanation. It wasn't aliens at all, courtesy of a special air service insider named Frank, who personally contacted the academic, has spent the past three years trying to get to the bottom of the mystery, which has been labelled Britain's own Roswell. According to the source, the route of the incident goes back to August 1980, when British SAS commandos made a practice landing inside the United States Air Force Base in a live exercise intended to challenge the American allies, a rare but known practice during the Cold War. The British supposedly created several contraptions using the materials at hand, such as remote-controlled kites, helium balloons, and coloured flares and launch them into the sky and so it goes on. So David is this part of the conspiracy or do you think this is something that actually happened? I, I don't think it did. I think um, this is something that they're using to cover it up since it's getting so much publicity now and there, there's so much coming out about it. I think this is some disinformation that's being sent out because I don't see that happening. This is the first I've heard British commandos coming, you know, making you know, entrance into into U.S. bases just to test their security. I don't think they'd want to do that. They get shot, especially during the Cold War. And uh, no, I don't. I don't buy that at all. And and I don't and I don't see that happening. You know, these these guys probably have better things to do back then. You know, the the cold the the cold well, the Cold War was really getting pretty hot back in the eighties, and and uh, you know, you really didn't want to go and and test and test the U.S.'s. Um, security, especially on an Air Force base with nukes. So no, I don't. I don't think it happened. I think it's just disinformation being put out. I'm I'm more than happy to accept, and I'm sure that there are military-minded people out there, former servicemen, both sides of the Atlantic, American and and British, that could probably prove that such exercises were conducted. I imagine people at a very high up level were aware of it, and maybe they did do it to probe it. You know, just check the defences. That's the best way to find out if your defences work. And I'm kind of satisfied with that. I'm not saying it's necessarily true, but I'm kind of satisfied that is a possibility. It's the fact that the story for, you know, 30 odd years has suddenly a guy who's unknown. He's given his name as Frank. He's come out of woodwork. He hasn't given any credentials that he was actually in the SAS, which would be difficult to do to begin with. Then says... We use remote control kites, helium balloons and coloured flares and launch them into the sky. And I know that when people are spooked that you can imagine and the power of suggestion, all that kind of stuff. But I just don't think that American soldiers would be duped into believing that these were aliens. Because these people gave reports of uh, a rectangular, no, it was a triangular aircraft. It was on a tripod, the radiation readings. You've got the actual recordings of the night. And those, those soldiers, they're scared. They are baffled by what they're seeing. And I, it just doesn't sit with me. And, you know, the paper gave it two column inches and that was it. And again, people talk about Rendlesham now and they go, oh, I thought that was, I thought that was solved. It was the SAS. So what I did was, because I was really upset, I published the article to 40 groups, including MUFON and, and groups like that, just to see what the reaction was. Mm -hmm. And it was about a 90% no. The feedback was out, outstanding with so many people. And we're not just talking about UFO, UFO enthusiasts and people in tinfoil hats. We're talking about members of MUFON, members of the military, people who were here 
in the 80s from America, part of the USAF, they're saying that never happened. And it really annoys me because another part of UFOlogy has now just been put down the drain because of some guy somewhere spoke to another guy. Okay, tell you what, I'll go, I'll go and contact the university and say, you know, I've got proof that Stonehenge was built as an early date insight. And people used to go there and if they could fit through the little gaps, then you could go out with the king and remain anonymous and they'll have to believe that. So, yeah, that's my little rant over. So me and you, Dave, both believe that both mm -hmm. those stories, both those explanations are not satisfactory. That's right. I, mean, I don't I don't buy that. I think like it's a disinformation. Somebody just something really happened and they're just trying to, to disprove it or lead you down some different path. And anybody so, but, out there, if you've got an opinion on this, you've got an idea, a theory, you've got an argument against us or them, get in touch, okay? Because that's how we spread knowledge. That's how we learn. You get in touch with us. You tell us what you think. Don't just write, oh, it's a load of rubbish because I'm not going to listen to it. I'll probably block you, okay? But if you've got a solid argument, you've got some detail, maybe you're in the army. Maybe you were there around the time. Maybe you've got a bit of insight into this. Maybe you've had an experience that was similar that you could prove that wasn't a UFO. It was something totally rational. Get in touch because we love that kind of stuff. Dave, moving on from aliens and UFOs, you've got a hell of a story. This is one of your favorites, isn't it? This is your favorite subject. Now, this story, this, uh, this story is about a Bigfoot and possibly a ghost. And it starts off with Mum snaps Bigfoot figure in Irish forest, but others say it could be the ghost of a passenger killed in a plane crash. A mum was spooked out when her dogs alerted her to the outline of a furry creature many believed is Bigfoot while strolling through a haunted forest. Now, Maxine Caulfield said her mutts used their sixth sense to seek out the creepy figure among the trees as they walked through... I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce it. I can't pronounce it either. I just say County Antrim. As they walked through County Antrim, Northern Ireland, rumored to be haunted by a fatal plane crash. Now, spooky tales have been told about this location since October 1942, when a U.S. Air Force B-17 Flying Fortress bomber crashed into the mountains there, killing eight of the ten crew on board. But after showing others these photos she'd taken of the suspicious shadow, people begin to liken it, its face to Bigfoot, a hairy creature said to inhabit forests in, in American folklore, rather than a ghost of a plane passenger. Now, Maxine, 49, said, 49 years old, said, I haven't got a clue what it is, but I saw it. It really freaked me out. It's not like anything I've ever seen before. And the dog's normally full of energy and never stop running. But when we went through that part of the forest, they just stopped still and stared in the same direction. It was as if they knew something was there. I couldn't see anything at the time, but when I got home and showed people the pictures, it was spooky. If you look at the pictures, and, and you go on the Paranormal Chronicles website, and, and you see the pictures that this lady took, it could be pretty much anything. You could say it's a Bigfoot. You can say it's a ghost. Uh, I think it's a stump covered with moss, to tell you the <laughs> truth. And I and I think it was probably just the product of her imagination. Um, you know, I, I haven't heard about any any ghosts from a B seventeen crash or anything like that. And and I haven't. Yeah, and and I and I do a lot of Bigfoot research. And I this is the first time I've heard of an Irish Bigfoot in in that part of Northern Ireland. So I and looking at the picture and looking at the thousands of Bigfoot pictures and hoaxes and things that I've seen, to me, it looks like a stump covered with moss. If it was a stump covered in moss, then she's hoaxed this story because the stump would still be there. This probably is. 
Yeah. You know, the, I'm looking right at it. It's a stump. It's a stump or a tree stump or covered part of a tree. Covered in moss and snow. It's covered in moss and some sort of other foliage. I'm on your side. I'm on your side. I, lo- I love this story. You know, you're coupling Bigfoot with ghosts. You've got like a really good story of a plane crash. You've got in like the ancient Irish woods. You've got it in winter. You've got a dog involved. You've got all these great things, right? But ultimately, when you look at the picture, it's a, it's a piece of wood with yes. moss on it, right? And I imagine if anybody went back there and got the exact same spot where the photo was taken, you could replicate that picture. I reckon. I reckon. Yep, I think so. It was a big year for Bigfoot. You know, we had the man who claimed he had Bigfoot's head in a fridge. We had to go, you got the hunter who shot at a man thinking he was Bigfoot. I have no idea what happened there. We're like, oh my God, that giant hairy beast, that's got to be a guy, right? Uh, we got a Bigfoot signed by a woman in Kentucky who claimed yeah. Bigfoot attacked a car. We had a woman who claimed Bigfoot slept with her. We had a man who claimed to have recorded Bigfoot's roar. And then there's the amazing story then. There was a little video that was up there on the Paranormal Chronicles somewhere. Those Russian guys that chased after a Bigfoot in a car, tried to run it over, and then they chased after him on foot in the snow. So why do you think, because it's not just America, it's big in America, but it's across the world. You've got, you, you've got the, you know, you've got the Yeti, you've got the Yowie, pretty much every culture, every culture. A friend of mine said there is no Bigfoots in the UK, and I was like, you'd be, you'd be surprised, there's loads, there's hundreds, dozens of, of sightings of, of Bigfoot all the way up into Carmarthenshire, down here in West Wales. I don't know if Pembrokeshire's got done yeti. If anyone has seen a Pembrokeshire Bigfoot, like a real one, not just like a big hairy guy, let us know because I'd be very interested to find out. But Dave, why do you think we are so enamored with the myth of Bigfoot? What is so appealing about this mysterious creature? Well, it's it's the unknown. And it's something that uh, people have been speaking about for years. Uh, it's it's kind of like it teases you. You know, you see the the footprints, you have the blurry images, you have the reported sightings, and then you have the anecdotal evidence, and it's and it's all just like a big tease. It's almost like you almost have them, you almost have the evidence, but it's but it's just not there, just out of out of arm's reach. Proof is just out of arm's reach every time, and I think that's what captivates people about it. And it's so old, and it's just. It's just it's just an enthralling story. In the Paranormal Chronicles magazine, which go to theparanormalchronicles.com, go to magazine. It's a free e-magazine. It's electronic. There's no subscription, no sign-up, nothing. You just read it. It's a flip book like you get on Kindle, okay? And it's 125 pages of paranormal goodness from some of the best writers in the world, including your very own cousin who wrote uh, uh, an article on Bigfoot. And there's plenty about the, the haunted horror of Hafford West. There's some uh, Pembrokeshire stuff in it. But one of the articles I really, really enjoyed, okay, was written by a guy who's got a book coming out next year about Bigfoot. And he said that Bigfoot was an alien probe. And that's why it could disappear. That's why it acted. It was very human, but it could disappear. It was actually a human. It was it was actually an alien probe sent here to monitor us. How do you feel about that? I think that uh, he saw the same episode of the Six Million Dollar Man back in the seventies with Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant. Yes, <laughs> I think that's that's what. Yes, because that's what it was. It was an alien probe. And uh, it was Andre the Giant playing Bigfoot, and this thing was sent down by these very advanced aliens to to monitor us and gather information. And that's that's what the uh, that episode was about. Two part episode, might I add. And um, I think that's where maybe he got that that story. It but was I don't, a I don't, I don't costume. Andre I don't the Giant, in yeah, a big terrible brown mm-hmm. onesie, 
with gravy all over his face and a big wig. I didn't even know it was a wig because he had big curly hair anyway, but a big beard. Yeah, yeah. He looked horrendous. Yeah. It was it was just terrible. Most funny episode. What the heck? I, I I think I think the Bigfoot can take six million dollar man any day. You know, sorry, sorry to Lee Majors, but that's just my take on it. One day, hopefully, that battle <laughs> will happen. It'll be it'll be it'll be a WrestleMania. Right. Yeah. You had because we because we've only got limited time. Uh, we kind of chose a little bit more because Claire wasn't here, right? But you kind of you were very much on. You were very close to discussing another topic, okay? And I said we've got a little bit of time because I said I'll cut a little bit off mine, okay? And that was to do with a demon cat. What was this story about the demon cat, Dave? Yes, this demon cat is supposedly haunting the the U.S. Capitol building, and it appears to people. Uh, a lot of times it appears to the security guards, the night shift security guards at night, and supposedly once they see it, they uh, they become ill or it's uh, harbinger death or or what have you. And this this cat has been seen for for a couple of generations now. The capital is very old; it was built in the built in the 1860s, 1850s. And what what I remember after reading that story, I remember as a as a kid. I guess I was in the fourth grade. I was 10, 11 years old. Our teacher. Uh, was talking about the Capitol building and when they built it. And she mentioned that when they were building it and shortly after it was built, that the place was riddled with cats. It was full of cats. Cats just seemed to, to go in there and, and just take up, take a room, you know, find little cubby holes, have their babies. The place was just lousy with cats back in the 1800s, uh, early 1900s. And it wasn't until maybe around the early 1900s, they finally got, were able to get rid of the cat infestation. So to me, that's that's where you see the the footprints in the concrete when they were laying the concrete because there was cats everywhere. It was stray cats, and and that's that's what really stuck out in that story. And I thought, well, I know what that is. I remember the teacher told me when I was a little kid what it was. But the the story goes on to say that that it could be the imagination of these uh these security guards who would get drunk and supposedly see things and. Supposedly, after you see this cat, you're sick for a few days. So that's how they uh, they get drunk, tell their boss they saw the cat, and were able to get a couple of days off to sleep it off, and then go back to work. So that's I thought that was pretty funny. Believe that I yes. Somebody would rang when I was running my call center. Somebody would called me up and said, "Oh, can't come into work today, boss. Why is that? Oh, I saw the demon cat." I'd be like, "I'll see you in twenty minutes, so you're sacked." (laughs) That 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 would be very you know you know. I worked in Ammonford, and there was some there was, there was some interesting people up there. So who knows? Um, I like the idea of the demon cat. I like the idea of haunted animals. Like you know, I love animals. You know, and you know, not like sharks or something. I wouldn't want to strike that. But I mean, like you domesticated animals, cats and dogs. They're mm-hmm. very loyal, and they're very much a fixture in our life. They're like family. And the idea of haunted pets is is quite nice. It's quite reassuring. There's one here in Hanford West up by Haylet Granger, which is a black-headed dog. And then not as nice is the Devil Hound of Land Mill, which is just mm-hmm. on the outside, on the outskirts of Narba. And there's a large black dog with red glowing eyes, and that worries, you know, other pedestrians and a guy on a moped and some people on a horse. And I love that. And I, the, the Devil Hound of Narba is probably the third most prolific report I get from members of the public in Pembrokeshire saying that they've seen the, the devil hound, a big dog with red eyes. And I think 
like the, the the phantom hitchhikers and whatnot i think that's just a standard part of urban mythology you know everyone's got like a devil hound or they've got a, a, a white lady or they've got a phantom hitchhiker and i think it's just in, in, in ingrained into our society we'll have to do a show david one day on ghosts of the white house and things of that nature and what u.s presidents have seen ufos i think being an american you could really give us a lot of insight into that yeah it's been it's interesting that we have had a couple of presidents who've reported ufos uh jimmy carter reported one and ronald reagan did when he was government governor of uh, california oh dave so i want to talk about now we have a time tonight but we will definitely yeah. do that show but but i must add you know what i i love cats i do but i can't eat a whole one. Oh, dave oh my god Pembrokeshire, they're animal lovers. They, they're going to come to El Paso now. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And for those come... of you who don't don't love cats, you know, you obviously haven't had one prepared correctly. Oh, David, you got to stop with this. You grow, you grow your own chilies. I've never seen such gigantic beasts. Oh, yeah, yeah. you got to come down to Texas and see some gigantic beasts. you got to come to Wales. Perhaps. Is it as cold as it is here with you? Um, well, it's cold, but you know, you, you guys, I guess are more humid, so it's probably feels colder. It's a dry cold here. Um, you get the winds just blowing and you know, they can hurt. They hurt. It's cold. So yes, the day before yesterday, gosh, it was tremendous. We had some really, really strong winds and the, the temperature was, I, I don't know what it is in, in, uh, in Celsius, but I guess Fahrenheit is about 40 degrees outside and the wind chill was like 20 Probably about and this zero was a, here. It's about zero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that was it, it. Got pretty cold, and then yesterday we were running around in t-shirts and shorts, eating so. chilies, hating cats. What evil people you are! I'm yes. for my last story, right? What I'm going to do is it's not a cheat, but what I'm going to do is I want to talk about the excellent paranormal year we had right here in Pembrokeshire. I came back home to Pembrokeshire in around September, and I was just had a mountain of reports to go through. We had sighting of a ghost monk at Priory Ruins and I actually took a picture of a solid being which to be honest is probably just another person it's just unusual at two in the morning if you see anybody out in a place that is reputedly haunted if you see another person out in the mist you're going to think it's a ghost and there were some very interesting formations where the the mist kind of bunched and grouped together and with pareidolia with suggestion you can kind of see that, you know, that you could make out the figure of a, a monk. And that was very interesting. And then we had lots of monk sightings on Union Hill and on the parade in Hanford West as well, which was great. We had loads of really good paranormal investigation teams from all over Wales, from South Wales, from right here in Pembrokeshire, from Kerry Digion, all coming down to investigate things like the Owl Man and the Monk. Then I had a series of pictures of ghosts in windows. I had about two or three pictures of ghosts of, in Hanford West of ghosts appearing in windows one of them you were like was in a reflection and of course for me personally was the the reception my book haunted horror of haverford westcott and at the book signing at the amazing victoria bookshop we sold out on the day i've just so humbled by the response we got i got to talk to a lot of people at the beginning it was a big queue of people so i didn't get a chance to talk to everyone but the amount of people who had the ghost story or experience or ufo sighting or cryptid and it made me really realize how what vitality we have in Pembrokeshire for the paranormal I would love for Pembrokeshire to become a paranormal hub where we have our own uh, conventions we have our own expos 
because we've really embraced it. I was a bit worried about Haunted Horror of Halford West, thinking that people might go, you know, not another ghost story, but they really, really embraced it. it terrified the life out of them. I'm excited to spend a whole year back in Pembrokeshire and just see what the people are out there. We've got more and more paranormal groups coming through. We've got more and more psychic mediums coming through. We've got more and more UFO groups. And it's just a very, very, very exciting time. Now, if you're listening and you haven't heard of all these ghost stories, you haven't seen these photos of ghosts in windows and UFO reports, go to the paranormalchronicles.com and it's all in there there's a little search bar you can just go through article by article or just get in touch with me through the paranormal chronicles and i will send you a link to anything that you're interested in but i what i want to know is dave which is more haunted do you reckon pembrokeshire or el paso i am that's a toss-up there uh pembrokeshire of course has has a much older history than el paso el paso has a history quite a bit about 500 years Four or five hundred years, and we do have a lot of ghosts and a lot of oddities that go on here. We do have a lot of witchcraft that happens here. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of Satanism that happens here. But uh, I think it's a toss-up. I think both. What we'll do is one day you come to Pembrokeshire. I'll introduce you to the amazing Pembrokeshire people, right? And you can come around with us, and then maybe uh, like arrange a little tour of like Pembrokeshire paranormal enthusiasts and investigators will come to El Paso and you can show us around El Paso because I know you've got some really good ghost stories there which you're going to feature in your new book. Yes, absolutely. That sounds like sounds like a plan to me. It sounds absolutely amazing, David. Right. What we shall do is, because normally the Paranormal Chronicles year in review goes for about an hour and a half, two hours. I think what we should do is, is when Claire's better, We'll do a follow-up show in a couple of weeks and we'll look at some of the other stories that maybe we didn't get a chance to have a look at. Would you be up for that? Absolutely. Count me in. Yeah, I'd love that, Dave. And also, I would like to invite you back whenever you want because I want to introduce the people of Pembrokeshire to your theories and your research and knowledge on ancient civilizations. It will blow their minds. Would you be up for that, David? Absolutely, Kevin. Thank you. I do appreciate that opportunity. Oh, Triple D, it's a pleasure. A good friend of mine, sir. And you are featured on the back of my book. It actually says Dave Dominguez on the back of Haunted Horror of Halford West. Well, thank you very much, Gabby. It's a, it's an honor to be mentioned in your book at all. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful book, and I recommend it to everyone. Um, just everyone. Just uh, I had to read it during the day. Yeah, what I like is, is when skeptics come up to me yeah. and they're like, I don't believe it's true, but you scared the life out of me. Well, it's, it's that it just makes you think. It's it's a it's a thinking man's book, I think. Or woman. Or woman, yes. Think a thinking person. person's book. It's uh it's not your normal slasher, you know, scary book. It's it 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 really puts it out there. It really makes you think and it stays with you. Well, when you come back on, what we shall do is to celebrate the fact that you, with your velveteen beautiful voice, Triple D, what we will do is when you come back on the show, to celebrate your return. We will give a signed copy of Haunted Horror of Halford West to one lucky listener. How's that? That sounds great. Brilliant. Right, Absolutely. David, thank you very much. My love to your family, sir, and we shall have you back on the show soon. Thank you, Gavi, and good night, everyone, and thanks for listening. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Take care. Happy New Year. There we have it. A terrifying encounter with a disgusting pair of entities, plus a look at the top paranormal stories of 2018 my dear friend the devilish Dave Dominguez. What do you think? Who do you think the stinking men are? If you enjoy this content and would like more then explore our series archive. There are so many incredible interviews with the best paranormal guests on the planet, on location reports, witness recordings and so much more. 
delve into the archive, who knows what you will discover. Plus, we have a free digital magazine to give to you. Yes, it's free. No sign-up, no subscription, no BS. Just instant free reading for you with the Paranormal Chronicles magazine. With four issues and hundreds of pages and scores of incredible articles and hauntings, Bigfoot, UFOs, demons, life after death, reincarnation and so much more. Just get reading today. Visit www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. That is www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. Right. Followers, one of you has won a £25 or dollar Amazon gift voucher and another one of you has won a signed copy of Haunted Horror of Haverford West. If you are listening and not following, then press follow now. Don't miss out. It could be your name I read out next time. So, the winner of the signed copy of Haunted Horror of Haverford West is... Humongous. That is humongous. Humongous, if you contact us so we can get your signed copy of Haunted Horror of Haverford West out as soon as possible. Right. The winner of the quarterly Amazon gift voucher is... Where do you guys get your names from? The winner is C. Cucumber. That's right. That is C. Cucumber. C. Cucumber, please contact us so we can arrange your voucher to get to you as soon as possible. I've got a feeling none of our winners actually have proper names. So well done, C. Cucumber and Humongous. To contact us, find us on Instagram or Facebook as The Paranormal Chronicles or email paranormalchronicles at aol.com. Remember to press follow, download the archive and share to your friends. Let me leave you with this. As we approach the end of the year, the end of a decade, I would like to personally thank everyone that has listened, followed, guested and supported. Thank you to our series sponsors, sickfifeandbooks.com and Victoria Bookshop Haverford West. Because of you all, this show has become one of the fastest growing paranormal podcasts in the world, has featured in the top 10 charts and on several listening platforms, and the continual feedback on how much you're enjoying this is truly humbling. None of this is possible without you. Thank you so much. You are truly wonderful. I am GL Davis and you have been listening to the Paranormal Chronicles podcast. Thank you for listening. Sleep well. <laughs>